Audible is the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers to celebrity memoirs, news, business, and self-development. Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digests from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and the Washington Post, as well as guided meditation programs. Between a full-time job in IT and a full-time job in podcasting, it gets harder and harder to sit down and read the books I'm interested in. This is where Audible comes in. I can listen on my daily commute, relaxing, or while out running errands and still get in the books I've been wanting to get into. You can download titles and listen offline anytime, anywhere. The app is free and can be installed on all smartphones and tablets. Now you can try Audible risk-free with a special 30-day free trial by visiting audibletrial.com forward slash nerdery and murdery. That's audibletrial.com forward slash nerdery and murdery. Don't let your busy life get in the way of that great book you've been wanting to read. Go get your free trial of Audible today. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. This is Jeffrey, and we've talked about many times before that I experience problems and struggles with my mental health. And really, without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy does work. It's helped for me. But but what is is therapy exactly? It's it's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships at work or you're not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's really time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles. And, and it's time to start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is a customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And there's a special offer to Nerdery and Murdery listeners. You can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash nerderyandmurdery. That's betterhelp.com forward slash nerderyandmurdery. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. You're listening to the sweet, sensual, and serendipitous sounds of Nerdery and Murdery. Sig, damn it. Welcome to episode 72 of Nerdery Murdery. Big 72. I'm Zig with your Nerdery. And I'm Jeffrey with your Murdery, sitting here in the middle of a nice heat wave. So tired of this summer. <laughs> hey, it's supposed to be below 100 today, I thought. Oh, boy. Yay. <laughs> hey, it's supposed to get down into the 80s this next week. So, God, I come home in the evenings and my temperature gauge sits at 108, 109, 110. Ugh. Yeah, just, you know, like 85 degrees at night. It's like, oh, my God. I know. It's just gross. Awful. Oh, uh, when this episode comes out, hopefully our 100-degree temperatures are behind us. Yes, a thing of the past. It'll be nice and cool. Yes. So, with with that, uh, uh, complaining about the heat, we'll go ahead and get <laughs> started with the nerdery side of the house. Well, Awesome. Today, I'm going to talk about the Sega Master System. All right, another console. Yes, this is a video game console. Uh, The Master System is an 8-bit third-generation home video game console manufactured by Sega. It was originally a remodeled export version of the Sega Mark III, the third iteration of the SG-1000 series of consoles. And it was released in Japan in 1985, and it featured enhanced graphical capabilities over its predecessors the master system launched in north america in 1986 followed by europe in 87 and brazil in 89 um the master system continues to be sold in brazil 
uh, you can still buy one. People still buy them and play them. So they're, <laughs> they're still being produced. Um, the Japanese version of the Master System was also launched in 1987, which featured a few enhancements over the export models. And by proxy, the original Mark III, a built-in FM audio chip, a rapid fire switch, and dedicated ports for the 3D glasses. Uh, the Master System II, a cheaper uh, model, was released in 1990 in North America, Australia, and Europe. Uh, that Sega Master System II was released after the Genesis was, and you could pick it up for less than 50 bucks. With a library of about 150 games, which is not bad. Um, the original Master System used both uh, cartridges and a credit card-sized format known as Sega cards, also known as Who cards, uh, depending on you know what system they were for. Accessories for the consoles included a light gun and 3D glasses that work with a range of specially designed games. Now, the 3D glasses plugged into the the Who card or the Sega card port, so you couldn't play a Sega card game with that uh, with those glasses intact. They were all cartridge based. And the idea of the, the card itself is they were a little cheaper to manufacture. Um, they weren't as, uh, they weren't as high tech as the cartridges. They didn't have as much uh, RAM on them. Uh, but for little simple games, they were fine. And, and again, you could get them a lot cheaper. The Master System was released in competition with the Nintendo Entertainment System or the Famicom in Japan. Its library is smaller and it has fewer well-reviewed games than the NES due in part to any Nintendo's licensing policies requiring platform exclusivity. Um, though the Master System had newer, improved hardware, it failed to overturn Nintendo's significant market share in Japan and North America. However, it attained significantly greater success in other markets, including Europe, Brazil, South Korea, and Australia. The Sega Master System is estimated to have sold between 10 and 13 million units worldwide. Wow. In addition, Tech Toy has sold 8 million licensed Master System variants in Brazil. So Tech Toy's still making them. Uh, retrospective criticism have recognized its role in the development of the Sega Genesis and a number of well-received games, particularly in PAL regions, which is Europe. Uh, but it's critical of its limited library to the, uh, Nintendo uh, in the NTSC region, which were dominated by the Nintendo Entertainment System. So originally, Sega was producing Pong consoles in Japan. Pong knockoffs. Uh, they actually, uh, except that they had a license with Atari, so they were actually not knockoffs. They were actually making Pong consoles. Uh, and then um, Atari released the VCS, which became the 2600. Over here, and Sega was in talks with issuing one that was Sega branded, but because of all the crazy things that were going on in Atari, they ended up producing one themselves. So on July 15th of 1983, Sega released its first homebrewed video game console, uh, the SG-1000 in Japan. The launch uh, coincided with the same day its competitor Nintendo launched the Famicom, so they were released on the exact same day. In 1984, parent com company Gulf and Western Industries divested its non-core businesses, including Sega, and Sega president uh, Hayao Nakayama was installed as CEO. Sega released another console, the SG-1002, Featuring several hardware alterations, including detachable controllers, because the original one, the original SG-1000, which you could pick up, um, but all the games are in Japanese. So, I mean, you could pick up that original SG-1000, but it, it had the same problem that uh, uh, the ColecoVision had. It, it, the, the the controllers were built in, so if you broke a controller, you had to take it in and get it repaired. Whereas the Mark II was a little nicer, and it had controllers that you could plug in and not plug. In. Taking off, uh, taking off from Atari, where you could replace the controllers instead of yes. the entire console. Yes. And what's great is because uh, Sega had that deal with Atari, the plug that Sega used for the Master System, as well as the Genesis, is the same port that Atari controllers use. So 
Oh, if really? you have yeah, if you have an old Atari controller, you could plug it into a Genesis and play Sonic the Hedgehog with it. It doesn't map all the buttons because there's only one button. But Sonic the Hedgehog, you only need one button. Um Sega co-founder David Rosen arranged a management buyout with financial backing from CSK Corporation installed CSK CEO Iso Okawan as chairman. Now, hoping to better compete with Nintendo, Sega released uh, another console, the Mark III, in Japan in 85. Mark III was a redesigned version of the SG-1000. It was engineered by the same team, including Hideki Sato and Masami Ishikawa, who had worked on the two and later uh, led the development on the Genesis, or in Japan, as they call it, the uh, the Mega Drive. Uh, according to Sato, the console was designed because of the limitations of the TMS-9918 graphics chip in the SG-1000 and the SG-1002, uh, which did not have the power of the kind of games Sega wanted to make. The Mark III's chip was designed in-house based around the unit in Sega System 2's arcade system board. So this is where Sega really started to port some of their arca- ar- arcade technology into their home consoles. So the Sega Mark III was released in Japan in October of 1985 at a price of 15,000 yen. Though its hardware was more powerful than the Famicom, the Mark III was not successful on launch. Problems arose from Nintendo's licensing practices with third-party developers where Nintendo required the games for the Famicom not to be published on other consoles. So Sega developed its own games and attained the rights to port games from other developers but they did not sell very well. Sega developer Mark Cerny said pressure was very, very high with the typical Master System game allotted only three months of development time. Now, although the SG-1000 had not been released in the United States, Sega hoped that their video game console business would fare better in North America than it had in Japan. Uh, To accomplish this, Sega of America was established in 86 to manage the company's consumer productions. In North America, Rosen and Nakayama hired Bruce Lowry, Nintendo America's vice president of sales. Um, Lowry was persuaded to change companies because Sega would allow him to start his own office in San Francisco. He chose the name Sega of America for his division because he had worked for Nintendo of America and liked the combination of the words. Initially, Sega of America was uh, tasked with repackaging the Mark III for a Western release. Now. Sega is originally an American company. They released um, arcade machines for and, and slot machines for bases overseas in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, they eventually got bought out by Japanese companies and merged into another Japanese company. So Sega of America rebranded the Mark III as the Master System, similar to Nintendo's reworking of the Famicom into the Nintendo Entertainment System. The name was chosen by Sega of America employees throwing darts against a whiteboard of suggested names. So they had like, you know, 20 games and they just threw darts and whichever one got it, that's what they went with. Uh, Plans to release a cheaper console, the base system also influenced their decision. So how it played out was the base system was the console and one controller. The master system was the console, two controllers, and a gun. But you could also buy this separately. Um, most people bought it as the master system because after they released it, they brought it down in price. Um, Okinawa approved of the name after being told it reference to the competitive nature of both the video game industry and martial arts. It was only one competitor can be the master. The console's futuristic final design was intended to appeal to Western tastes. Uh, the North American packaging was uh, was white to differentiate from the black NES packaging with a white grid design inspired by Apple Computer's products. So when you went to go buy a Sega Master System or a game or a light gun or the 3D glasses, when you bought it, you bought it it was in a white box with a blue grid pattern on it. Um, and they did that throughout the whole run uh, because they wanted to look a little more. Well, they didn't want it to look like Nintendo. The master system was first revealed to North America at the summer consumer electronics show in Chicago in June of 86. 
It was initially sold in a package uh, with a power base console, a light gun, two controllers, and a pack-in multi-cart. The multi-cart was Hang On and Safari Run. The Sega Master System version of Hang On is really, really good. As a matter of fact, the Genesis port of Hang On is just the Sega Master System game repackaged in the Genesis port. Uh, the console was lo- uh, was launched in September of 86 at the price of $200, which is the equivalent of $494 in 2021. Um, Nintendo was exporting the Famicom to the U.S. as the NES, and both companies planned to spend $15 million in late 86 to market their consoles. Sega hoped to sell 400,000 to 750,000 consoles in 1986. But by the end of 1986, only 125,000 Master System consoles had been sold. More than the Atari 7800, which only clocked in at 100,000, but less than Nintendo's 1.1 million consoles. Just for 1986. Wow. Yeah. Um... And I want to say uh, the big number is for the PlayStation 2, which is at like something like 25 million consoles. I think that's the biggest console that's ever sold. There's that tapping again. Now it stopped. Okay. I'm just making sure it's not me tapping on something, but it's not. I'm, I'm sitting still. No, it's something electronic. Okay. Uh, other sources indicate that more than 25,000 consoles were sold by Christmas of 1986 or uh, uh, 250,000 consoles were sold by Christmas of 86, but they were saying it was 125. Uh, now in J- as in Japan, the master system in North America had a limited game library limited by Nintendo's licensing practice. Sega only had two third party American publishers, Activision and Parker brothers. Agreements with both of those companies came to an end in 1989. Sega claimed that the Master System was the first console where the graphics on the box are actually maxed by the graphics of the game and pushed the arcade experience in adverts and in its marketing. Now, the department was run by only two people, giving Sega a disadvantage in advertising. So they only had two advertising execs. Uh and one method of promoting the console at the end of 87, Sega partnered with astronaut Scott Carpenter to start the Sega Challenge, a traveling program set up in recreational centers where kids were tested on nonverbal skills such as concentration and the ability to learn a new skill. Outrun and Shooting Gallery were two games included in the challenge. Uh, now, in 1987, the struggling sales in the U.S., Sega sold the U.S. distribution rights for the Master System to the toy company, Tonka, uh, but it had no experience with electronic entertainment systems. So, Tonka had never sold video games before, but they were a fairly big company. Oh, Tonka told Tonka sold toys. They sold vehicle metal metal yeah. tr- metal trucks and big metal trucks. Yes, I got hit over the head with one of those once. Wow, you okay? Uh, that beats being hit over the head with a tire iron, right? Yeah. He still not by, not, scar, by mu- not by much. The thinking of Sega behind the deal was to leverage Tonka's knowledge of the American toy market, since Nintendo had marketed the NES as a toy to great success in the region. Uh, The announcement was made shortly after the 1987 summer CES uh, in Chicago. During this time, much of Sega of America's infrastructure shifted from marketing and distribution to focus on customer service, uh, and the Lowry departed the company. Tonka blocked localization of several popular James, uh, Japanese games, and during 1988 were less willing to purchase EPROMs needed for game cartridges manufacturing during a shortage. Uh, they also became less willing to invest in video games after uh, taking massive loans and when they purchased Kenner in 1987, followed by poor holiday sale, sale season and final financial losses. So Tonka bought Kenner in 1987. Kenner stopped making Star Wars in 1987. <laughs> right. Um, the distribution of the consoles had changed. The Master System continued to perform poorly in the market. The Mark III was re-released as the Master System in Japan in October 87. So they liked the design so much, they re-released it in Japan. Um, 
but it still sold poorly. Neither model posed a serious challenge to Nintendo in Japan, and according to Sato, Sega was only able to obtain 10% of the Japanese console market, which ain't bad. I'm going I'm to be honest. If we could get 10% of the Japanese console market, we'd be on easy street, sir. Right. The Master System was launched in Europe in 87, and it was distributed by Mastertronic in the United Kingdom, Master Games in France, and Aerialsoft in West Germany. Uh, though Aerialsoft initially purchased the distribution rights for the United Kingdom. But because Aerialsoft could not agree to a pricing agreement with Sagan, uh, Mastertronic signed a deal in 1987 uh, to take the control of the UK distribution and announced the deal at the 87 summer CES. The company announced the release of 12 titles by autumn. Mastertronic advertised the master system as an arcade in the home and lodged at 99 pounds, which in the equivalent of today is 296 pounds and 2021 dollars. The pound is roughly a dollar and a half. So right at $450 in today's money. Right. Advanced orders for retailers were high, but Sega proved unable to deliver inventory until Boxing Day on December 26, causing many retailers to cancel their order. Mastertronics and Master Games entered financial crisis, and Aerialsoft vowed never to work with Sega again. Mastertronic had already sold a minority interest to the Virgin Group to enter the console business and sold the remainder to avoid bankruptcy. The newly rebranded Virgin Mastertronic took over all European distribution in 1988, uh, Virgin Mastertronic focused on marketing the Master System on ports of Sega arcade games, uh, positioning it as a superior video game alternative to the Commodore 64 and the ZX, or I'm sorry, the ZX Spectrum, um, because that's what they played in the UK. They didn't play uh, consoles; they played computers um, with games in the back of them, like the Commodore 64 and. The ZX Spectrum, which was right. a, a knockoff of the Comedy 64. Um, so the Master System held a significant part of the video game console market in Europe through the release of Sega's succeeding consoles. So in 1989, Virgin uh, Master Mastertronic began offering rentals of the Master System consoles and 20 games. The United Kingdom also hosted a Sega Video Games National Championship with a winning co- uh, competitor against Japanese and American champions on British television show Motormouth. Players competed on a variety of games, including Astro Warrior, uh, platform games, and sports games. And during the late 80s, the Master System was outselling the NES in the United Kingdom, Germany, and France. Um, and again, by 1989, that's when they start producing it in Brazil. And it's still for sale in Brazil. It was the number one console there for years. Um, Sega Genesis, or the Mega Drive, depending on what you want to call it, uh, had a hard time getting a hold in Brazil because people loved their Master System, or the yeah, their Master System so much. Um, so The Master System was also successful in Brazil. It was attributed by Tectoys in that already. I'm sorry. Um, so they eventually, uh, the library of the Master System games was, a, I believe, it, 153 games by the end of its run. But by the end of 1990, um, Sega wanted to release a new console in Japan. Um, now, in, uh, so... When they first released the Sega Genesis, or again, the Mega Drive in Japan, they released a small add-on port that would play both the cards and the cartridges of the Sega Master System, as well as you could use the 3D glasses with a Master System uh, game. Now, I have included a picture of one of those. It was round. It set on top of the... Sega Master System or Sega Genesis console, the the Mark One Sega Genesis, so you could play your games and be backwards compatible. When Nintendo released the Super Nintendo in North America, it got a lot of backlash because it was not backwards compatible, and this is what kind of propelled Sega Genesis to outsell the Super Nintendo for the first couple of years they were around. Because uh, there were a lot of news organizations that were 
people were mad. It's like my kid wants to play this game, but it, we have 50 of these cartridges and they won't work on this new console. Whereas if I'd have bought the Sega, they'd work on it for a, you know, all I had to do was buy the adapter and the adapter at the time was 30 bucks. Mm-hmm. You know, so it was cheap. Um, so now, although the master system was successful in Europe and later in Brazil, it failed to ignite significant interest in Jap- Japan or North America, which by the mid to late 1980s were both dominated by Nintendo. By 88, Nintendo held 83% of the North American video game market, with Sega continuing to have difficulty penetrating the home market. Sega's console R&D team, led by Ishikawa and supervised by Sato, began work on a successor to the Master System almost immediately after its launch. Um, and other competitors rose in Japan. Uh, the computer giant NEC released the PC Engine, uh, also known as the TurboGrafx-16 over I, here. I remember the TurboGrafx. Yeah, they were pretty bad. They used the little card cartridges as well. Yeah. Uh, Sega released the Mega Drive in Japan in October uh, 29th, 1988, and uh, released the Genesis uh, in, I want to say, October of 1990 here. But then uh, the Master System 2, Sega released that as well. And again, it was less than 50 bucks. You could play all your Master System games on this little Master System 2 device, but it didn't have the card slot, so you couldn't use the card games. Or the uh, the 3D glasses on the little Master System 2 unit. But they actually, the Master System 2 unit sold better in North America than the original Master System did. Because it was so cheap. You could go out and buy it and buy a bunch of games, which were, because they released the Genesis, were dirt cheap. So, the last licensed Master System game released in North America was the very first... Sonic the Hedgehog in 1991. They re-released it on the Genesis, but the first Sonic was on the Master System. Um, then Genesis, because of the Master Systems, um, because of the Master Systems market share in Europe, when the Genesis finally showed up, when people replaced their Master Systems, they replaced it with a Genesis. So it continued to be the number one selling console in Europe. Um, so they held the European market for, I want to say 10 years was dominated by Sega because every time Sega would release something, the European market was nuts for it. And it may have had to do with that, you know, Virgin um, Master Games just advertising the hell out of it. As a matter of fact, there was a Sonic the Hedgehog 2 port in Europe to the Master System, as well as a Streets of Rage 2 uh, in 1992 and 1993, respectively. So you could get Genesis games on the Master System in Europe. Um, So it was reported that the Master System's plug-and-play systems sell around 150,000 units per year in Brazil. Uh, a level that holds its own against modern systems such as the PlayStation 4. Um, by 2016, Tech Toy had sold 8 million units of the Master System branded systems in Brazil. Um, now, the Master System's main CPU was the Zilog Z80. It was an 8-bit processor. The thing is, the original Genesis had that Zilog processor on it as a secondary chip, which is why that converter was so cheap because it didn't have anything in it all it did was port (laughs) all it did was port the cartridge into the the cartridge bay that's all it did so a number of cross paddle accessories were created for the mark three and the master system uh there was a paddle controller there was a trackball of course the light gun um the 3d glasses uh called the sega scope 3d here were created for games such as space harrier 3d i played it once in a Highland Electronics store with those 3D glasses, and I can say with all certainty, I played it for about a half hour. That is the only 3D experience I've ever played that didn't give me a headache. Wow. Yeah. So I would like, we've got a, a, a Mark I Genesis here. 
I would like to see if I can't find one of those adapters, but they're really hard to come by now. Sure. Um, even though they sold a lot of them. Um, so, so I can play, you know, and then if I could find the 3D glasses that work, those are going to be expensive too. So, Master System, you know, eventually folded up into the Sega Genesis, but they kept making that Master System 2 for another four or five years. They had that Master System 2 was around until they released the Saturn. That's how long it, it lasted. And it was selling better than the original Master System. Um, the Master System did allow Sega to experiment with arcade conversions. Uh, Alex Kidd. Uh, and in 2009, the Master System was named the 20th best console of all time by IGN. Um, even though the Master System's library was smaller than the Nintendo, all of the games were fairly good. Like, you know, the Nintendo had some clunkers or games that were really, really hard to play. Mm-hmm. Um, the Master System and most of that stuff was able to, you were able to pick up pretty, pretty readily. And again, I, I have it here in the notes buried in all of these numbers, but I want to say it was 153 by the end of the run. Counting what you could buy here and in Europe and in Brazil, and they all still played on the Master System. But that's about it other than get out and check it out if you can find one. Um, there are some ports to different uh, other consoles where you can play some of those old Master System games. Uh, I'm, I'm told that the Poly Mega eventually is going to release a Master System port you know, one of the one of the units where you can use the cards and the uh, cartridges, but we haven't heard that yet. And the Polymega is still doing really well, so cool. But that's about it. Thanks for going down that trip down memory lane. Did you ever know anybody who had one? Uh, not the original. I had a Sega Genesis. Yeah, yeah. Um, I played the Master System, like I said, a couple of times. Once at a Highland Electronics store. And then I knew a kid who had one. I'd go visit every once in a while, and we'd play his, and it was pretty cool. Yeah. Awesome. Wasn't the same kid with a Vectrex. (laughs) (laughs) I had had a friend who had a Vectrex, too. I love playing that thing. Well, cool. Then with that, we will step over to the murdery side of the house. Murder. Today, I got my information off Murderpedia, Wikipedia, Omaha News, Vizaka, Tuco, Britannica, and a Very Well Mind. And I'm very sorry that Will is not with us today because he specifically asked for this episode. And today I'm <laughs> going to be talking about Nico Jenkins. Nico Jenkins. Nico Jenkins. So Nico Allen Jenkins uh, was born in September 16 on September 16, 1986, and he's an American spree killer convicted of committing firm, four murders in Omaha, Nebraska, in August 2013. This guy is crazy. Crazy, crazy. This guy is crazy, as you will come to see throughout here. And that's one of the reasons William wanted me to cover it, because this this guy is a lunatic. Uh, He is the son of Lori Jenkins and David A. McGee, and he was raised alongside his two sisters, Erica and Maloney. So how was he as a kid? So growing up, he was exposed to the criminal actions of both his father and his mother, His father, David, was convicted for multiple crimes, including terroristic threats before dying in 2019. And on the other hand, Lori, his mother, was indicted for being a felon in possession of ammunition in 2013. This might have had negative influence on their child. As early as seven years old, Nico was detained for taking a gun to school at Highland Elementary School. At seven? At seven years old. Okay, are we talking about a toy gun or a gun gun? A gun gun. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. I guarantee uh, you, somebody looked at that kid and went, that kid's going to be trouble someday. Oh, you haven't even seen the half of this yet. So the murders all occurred within a month after he was released from prison after serving a 10 and a half year, uh, 10, 10 and a half years of the 18 years at which he was sentenced for carjacking committed at age 15 and for assaults committed in prison. Wow. Jenkins stated he had committed the killings at the command of the ancient surface god Apophis, or Apophis. Uh, Apophis? Apophis, yes. That's an Egyptian uh, god. Yes, it's an Egyptian, uh, it's it's the Egyptian demon of chaos who had the form of a certain and as the foe to the sun god Re represented all that was outside the ordered cosmos. 
Um, although many serpents symbolize divinity and royalty, Apophis threatened the underworld and symbolized evil. Uh, Apophis was the very embodiment of the powers of dissolution, darkness, and non-being. Uh, Jenkins... He's also the bad guy in Stargate. Oh, really? Yeah, Apophis. Well, Jenkins Jenkins did everything in 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 a tribute to him. Uh, Jenkins was found competent to stand trial, found guilty of the four murders, and was sentenced to death in May of 2017. About 5.01 a.m. on August 11, 2013, a patrol officer discovered two bodies in a white Ford pickup truck parked near a city swimming pool at 18th and F Street in Spring Lake Park. The two victims identified as Juan Uribe Pena and Jorge C. Uh, Ruiz had been shot in the head and their pockets turned inside out. They were lured to meet two women for a sexual encounter. The murder spree began with this random double murder less than two weeks after his release from prison on July 30th. On August 19th, just eight days later, around 7 a.m., the body of Curtis Bradford was found outside a detached garage at 18th and Clark Street by a man returning home from a night shift at a convenience store. Investigators arrived to find two bullet wounds in Bradford's back. It was later revealed that Bradford and Jenkins had posed for a Facebook photo posted, uh, posted the day before, and Bradford would be the only victim that was familiar to Jenkins. Jenkins' fourth and final victim, Andrea Kruger, was discovered on August 21st, so just uh, just another couple of days later, around 2.15 a.m. by a deputy sheriff responding to a shots fired call. Her body was found lying on the road on 108th and 4th Street with multiple 12-gauge shotgun wounds to the face, neck, and shoulder. Oh, my God. Kruger had been returning home after a bartending shift near 178th and Pacific Street. Surveillance show, footage showed her locking up the Deja Vu Lounge at 1.47 a.m. At 6.30 that evening, Kruger's gold 2012 Chevrolet Traverse SUV was found abandoned 12 miles away in an alley at 43rd and Charles Street. Later that week, a news conference was held by Douglas County Sheriff Tim Dunning in which he stated the investigators believed the SUV had been abandoned roughly 2.5 hours after being stolen and that a feeble attempt had been made at setting the vehicle's interior ablaze. On August 30th, 2013, Jenkins was arrested on an unrelated terroristic threats charge. By then, evidence against him had mounted, and investigators had the image of a female associate on surveillance footage at a local gun outlet buying uh, the kind of distinctive ammunition that had been used to commit the killings. Additional footage had been pulled from cameras along the route to Kruger's Kruger's, uh, abandoned SUV, and on the evening of September 3rd, Jenkins confessed to all four murders in a rambling eight-hour interview. Oh, my God. Jenkins told police... And he was found competent to stand trial, huh? Yeah, and I'm not sure I understand why, as you'll see here. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, if if they had an interview with him and he just rambled for eight hours, I, at some point, a sane person would go, you know what? They said I have the right to remain silent. Why don't I? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> During that eight-hour interview, Jenkins told police that the acts were sacrifices to Apophis, and uh, and he was charged with four counts of murder following the confession. In handwritten letters dated November 3rd, 2013, submitted to the Omaha World Herald, prosecutors and a judge, Jenkins said he wished to plead guilty to all four counts and uh, to all counts in the four slayings and that he would protect Apophis uh, kingdom with animalistic savage brutality. On February 19th, 2014, Jenkins filed a federal lawsuit seeking $24.5 million from the state of Nebraska for wrongfully releasing him from prison, stating that his claims of hearing voices from Apophis were repeatedly ignored. In the six-page handwritten filing, he stated that being kept in solitary confinement augmented his schizophrenia. He blamed correction officials for the four killings, and Jenkins claimed that his problems were caused by mental illness and that he had schizophrenia, bipolar disorder, and obsessive-compulsive disorder. The judge ordered a psychiatric evaluation, and and a psychiatrist concluded that Jenkins had antisocial personality disorder and was faking psychotic symptoms. He was declared competent to stand trial even though he scored a 68 on an administered IQ test and the proceeding against Jenkins commenced. 
He scored a 68 on an IQ test? Yep. Wow. On his request, Jenkins was allowed to represent himself at trial under the guidance of advisory attorneys. And throughout the trial, Jenkins maintained that he acts under command of Apophis. According to mythology, one of the voices Nico Jenkins claims is stuck with him is the Egyptian serpent god Apophis. And here we go. He sliced through his penis and his tongue to make them look more serpent-like to pay reference to Apophis, and then he smeared blood all over his cell. Sometime in April of 2015, he attempted wait, to call... Wait, 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 hold on. Mm-hmm. Just give me a second with that. I need to all sit right. with that for just a second. All right. Okay, continue. Okay. Sometime in April 2015, he attempted to carve 666 into his face, but ended up with the number 999. (laughs) And in the same year, he cut into his face the word Satan. Not Apophis. Correct. Okay. According to Jenkins' now ex-wife, Shalonda Jenkins, Apophis gives him orders, and and he's heard from the Egyptian snake god since childhood. She said, quote, it was just a voice that said, if you do what I tell you to do, if you follow my demands, then I'll make sure you're safe and make sure you're okay. His courtroom annex included speaking in tongues, howling, and laughing as prosecutors recounted the details of his victim's deaths. Jenkins didn't bring up the voices till the end of the hearing when Judge Battilion asked him point blank if he had killed each victim. He claimed the command voices clouded his memory of the killings. He said he remembered that the voices match for it matched the phrases that were tattooed on his face. Kill them, destroy them, attack them, he said, translating the words, quote, I was alone in weapons and the demon in Apophis and Lucifer. They were attempting to kill me, so I killed them under orders of Apophis. On April 16, 2014, the judge found Nico guilty of all four murders, and he was initially scheduled to be sentenced on August 11, 2014, but the date was delayed indefinitely following a hearing to determine whether he was capable of understanding the death penalty proceedings against him. Lengthy court record documents uh, document various psychiatrists and psychologists' findings of Nico Jenkins after assessing his mental health, which has gone on for decades. In 2019, one doctor diagnosed Jenkins with psychosis not otherwise specified and bipolar disorder. Another decided on an Axis one diagnosis of schizophrenia and post-traumatic stress disorder. disorder. Um, Axis one disorders tend to be the ones that are most commonly found in the public. They, are, they include anxiety disorders such as panic disorder, social anxiety disorder, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Okay. Dr. Bruce Gutnick uh, assessed Jenkins many times over the years, as far back as 2011, and diagnosed with schizophrenia, continuous, severe. When Gutnick next saw Jenkins in November of 2013, he stood by his initial diagnoses, saying that Jen- now Jenkins had schizophrenia versus schizoaffective disorder, depressed type, and rule out a personality disorder otherwise not specified. He saw him again in May of 2014 and then April and December of 2015 and in June 2016, and he maintained that the convict was was psychotic. According to court records, Gutnick said the proof of psychosis was that Jenkins had, had performed multiple mutilations of his own penis and that a person would, quote, have to be fairly out of touch and psychotic to not be able to, re- to not react to that level of pain. But Jenkins continued to self-harm himself. According to NBC6, one attorney told them Jenkins' suicide and attempts must be in the double digits. In May, in March of 2019, he slashed his eye and neck with a sharpened tile pulled off a wall. And another, he tried to cut his own throat. On July 2019, Jenkins was ordered to be housed at the Lincoln Regional Center Psychiatric Hospital until doctors were satisfied with his condition. But officials at the regional center refused to house Jenkins due to inadequate security, but doctors agreed to treat him at Lincoln Prison. Yeah, you can't bring him here, but we'll go over there. Exactly. (laughs) This guy's nuts. In May of 20... In the one way that a clinical clinician can say, this guy is nuts without actually saying that. Uh, In May of 2017, Jenkins was sentenced to death by a three-judge panel. He was also sentenced to 450 years in prison on weapons charges and convicted with the murders. On April 20th, 2020, the U.S. Supreme Court refused to hear his appeal. So 
Jenkins kind of comes from a long line of criminal history with his family. Uh-huh. Uh, he comes from a disturbed family that has spent generations committing crimes, but it's uh, it's ironic that the Jenkins family descended from descended from the Levering family, who are known for their good reputation in Omaha, Nebraska. A hundred years ago, the Levering family, known for their long-standing good reputation, were a highly respected family in Omaha, Nebraska. One of their ancestors, Levi Levering, was the town's tribal leader, with his influence reaching as far as Washington D.C. So interesting that he came from that line. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Erica Jenkins, who is Nico's sister, she was involved in the murders. She was one of the two women who lured Jenkins' first two victims to their deaths. Oh, that's right. She also helped Jenkins kill his third victim, Curtis Bradford, and assisted with Kruger's death. And she was found guilty of Bradford's death and was sentenced to life in prison. She is also serving a 10-year sentence for robberies associated with the killing and 20 to 30 for beating up fellow inmate Christine Bordeaux, her cousin, and Bordeaux testified against Erica and Nico during the trial. Lori Jenkins, who, if you remember, is Nico's mother. She was mm-hmm. found guilty of concealing evidence and providing false information about the purchase of ammunition. She was found not guilty of providing gasoline to her son and his uncle Warren Levering to get rid of the evidence. The court ruled she didn't know what the gasoline was used for, but nonetheless, she was sentenced to five to six years in jail. Before that, she was already serving 10 years for being a felon in possession of ammunition, and she won't be released until 2028. Even though she's tried to plead innocent in all of her children's crimes, authorities do not believe her. Uh, David McGee Sr., who is Jenkins' father, uh, he never married Lori Jenkins, but he's the father of her six children. He was involved in a series of violent crimes and at the time of his death in 2019 was a felon convicted for several crimes. Warren Levering is Nico's uncle, and he helped him with the robbery and murder, murder of Andrea Kruger. He pleaded guilty to charges of attempted theft and accessory charges in the death of Kruger. And while he did not kill Kruger, he was hit with first-degree murder charges under the state's felony murder rule and sentenced to 40 years. His sentence was eventually cut in half, and he was released in 2020 after completing his sentence. And he's not the only levering that's convicted felon. He has two older brothers who are also convicted felons. Lori Sales is uh, Erica Jenkins' younger sister, who is an accessory to the Jenkins killing. She was charged with Bradford's murder and accused of hiding the murder weapon. Jimmy Levering is said to be a member of the family through Lori, and before he died, he was charged with murder in 20, 2006, and the, but the charges against him were dropped because the witnesses were never seen again. Wow. Mallory, Melanie Jenkins is also Nico's sister. He has been convicted. Uh, she, she, she has been convicted for several offenses, including terroristic threats. She testified against Erica during her murder trial, but is not currently incarcerated. And at the time of her arrest, she had three children under seven. And Nico's ex-wife, Shalonda, was found guilty of possessing brass knuckles, which are deemed deadly weapons under Nebraska law, and she was sentenced to one year in prison. Nico is currently in prison awaiting the date of his execution, which has not been set. He's still one of the prisoners on death row in Nebraska, but a date has not been set yet. And it's going to be unclear when this will happen because of his mental issues. Yeah. I bet they don't execute him. I, I don't know. I, I, I uh, Honestly, I think it would be, benefit society better if we put him someplace where we could study him. Yeah, I don't disagree on that because he's a wackadoo. He is wackadoo. It sounds like his whole family. His family sounds like the mob, to right. be honest. Yes, they do. You know? Like maybe, well, yeah, these upstanding leverings. Oh, were they upstanding? Or were they just hiding it? <laughs> you know, because, hey, the Kennedys were involved in uh, liquor running. I'm just saying, you know. Liquor That's running how they and, made their money. Well, liquor running and guns. Yep, and guns. Yeah, I've heard about guns. Yep. Yeah, they were supplying guns to the IRA all the way back to the 20s. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the story of the crazy Nico Jenkins. Wow. Well, I'm sorry. We'll miss this. He's he's going to get We shouldn't tell him. We'll let him be surprised when he, yeah. when he edits. 
Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, when we when when we edit, he stops and and listens intently on that. <laughs> I was just surprised at just how how whacked out he was, and then the, and just that whole family. It just seems to be just bad, bad people. Yeah, there's definitely there's definitely a question of nature versus nurture there. Yeah. Ooh. Well, that takes us to the end of another recording week. Uh, as always, you can find us at nerderyandmurdery.com. There you can find the links to this episode and pictures that we'll be posting on there as well. Uh, you can also find our contact information where if you wish to contact us, let us know things you like, let us know things you don't like, things you want to hear, things you don't want to hear. We do listen to it all. You can also uh, check us out at our YouTube page uh, where we've got a YouTube channel with Videos of us doing our thing, plus little things we found interesting or funny, as well as playlists. That's yeah. at uh, Nerdy and Murdery YouTube channel. Thank you. You can also find the link to our merchandise, where if you wish to show off your Nerdy and Murdery fandom, please do check out what we have there. And you can also find the link to our Patreon, where if you wish to donate to the show, help keep us going. There are costs associated with this show. And with your patronage, you do get episodes early, plus you get the... Um, you get exclusive episodes that are only available to our patrons. We do, we do put oh, information. No, it's fine. We do put information on our website about those episodes, but the actual episodes themselves are exclusive to our patrons. Please and thank you. Please and thank you. And as always, please do remember to leave us a five star review wherever you can. It helps us and helps other people find our content that may be looking for us. So with that, I have been Zig with your nerdery, and I'm Jeffrey with your murdery. Cue the music. Yeah.